Hello and welcome to the 93 Talks, a podcast brought to you by the UK's largest network of state-educated university students, the 93% Club Foundation. Did you know that 93% of the UK's population is state-educated? This number is not representative of the university population and definitely not represented in the corporate world. It's our mission to rectify this and support those that make it to university. Here on the 93 Talks, we will bring you content with employers, successful professionals and community ambassadors. This is a podcast for students, by students. We are the 93% Club. Serious about social mobility. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 93 Talks. I'm Joshua Best, your co-host, and today we've got an amazing episode lined up for you all. Today, I'm joined by Lucy, who is the head of the UK business for Capital One, which is a founder-led company with a mission to change banking for good. So, Lucy, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Joshua. Amazing, amazing, amazing. The weather is not looking too great outside. Um, I don't think it is because I heard it was raining this week, but I think hopefully this podcast should bring a bit of smile to our listeners today. Um, so I guess the first question I wanted to go into, I think it'll be useful for listeners to like hear your journey to Capital One and considering the route you've taken because I believe you've done an engineering degree um, with your academic background. I have, yeah. Do you, do you want the long story, Joshua? Shall I, yeah, shall let's, I get get it? let's get a long story. Let's go for the nitty gritty. All the detail. I want all of it. All the detail. Okay, you can tell me when to shut up. So, <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> um, I joined Capital One straight out of university. Uh, so I studied engineering at Cambridge. Now, I haven't been there the whole time since then. I'm what we at Capital One call a boomerang, uh, which is someone who left and came back. Uh, And there are quite a few of us here, and that tells you a lot about about the organisation. But to talk a bit about me and my background, um, I am from a big family, one of six children. Uh, I grew up in Oldham, near Manchester, uh, and my mum and dad left school at 15. So we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. Um, And one of the stories we used to roll our eyes at as kids was when my dad used to tell us how he ran to work in his normal shoes because he couldn't afford a pair of running shoes. You know, so this was the kind of like money consciousness that I that I grew up in. And and because of that, the constant feeling of my childhood was the feeling that I was missing out. Uh, Mm -hmm. The thought that other people had opportunities that I couldn't get. And I remember my gran was obsessed with watching Wimbledon and I used to watch it with her at her, her house. And, you know, we'd be out playing tennis in the streets for a couple of weeks every year as everybody became Wimbledon obsessed and I'd say oh I'd really like to be a tennis player this is at the age of eight or nine and my older siblings would be like well you can't you're too old you needed to start when you're four so you have that feeling from being really young that it's already too late it's already too late so I spent my whole childhood it seems constantly dreaming of this different life that I'd like to live you know I used to read a lot of books and I used to (laughs) it sounds terrible I used to imagine what Christmas presents I'd get and what holidays I'd go on if I was one of only two children (laughs) you think god that'd be amazing um so I was always my whole life looking for opportunities to show people what I could do you know I really wanted to try things And um, a friend of mine at school, when I was about 11, sat an entrance exam for a private school, which I just didn't know was something you could do. And I remember saying to my mum, could I ever go? Could I I try that? And, you know, I I knew I'd never be able to actually go to the school. You know, we couldn't afford it, but I was desperate to try it. So uh, my mum got a friend to teach me fractions um, and I I went off and did the exam. And I did really well and got an assisted place. Um, And it was still a stretch for them. Uh, because we didn't have to worry about the fees, but I had to get three buses to get there, and my grand Ooh, bought uniform. Three buses. You know, three buses. It was like in it was Oldham. on the other side of Manchester, um, yeah. and I just felt this huge sense of obligation. You know, I, I needed to make the most of the opportunity. 
Um, and I remember even like some of the neighbours saying to my parents, I don't, you know, because I'm one of six kids, three girls, three boys. I don't know why you'd waste that opportunity on a girl. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of thing, you know, and so I worked like crazy. Like I felt like I could not put a foot wrong. And if I wasn't top in an exam, I was letting everyone down, you know? So when you're doing well at school and you come from a background where your parents haven't been to university, the natural reaction of my parents, uh, right. You've got to be a doctor. That, that would be the, a great job to go do, right? Yeah. It's a solid income. You'll, we'll always need them. You'll never yeah. be out of work. You'll be a respected professional. You know, so that's what I was going to be. It's like, okay, fine. Um, and my sister, who is nine years older than me, had by this time started as a doctor. Um, so the rule in our house was you go to university to get a job. So you're going to be a doc. We've got a doctor. We've got a teacher. You know, we've got, this is the, this is the way, the way, <laughs> the way and, uh, <laughs> you know, you university gives you gives you a profession so I followed around the hospital one day and to be honest Joshua I did not cope well it was hot it was busy people were recovering from really big operations and you know like I realized having had to sit down for a moment because I felt a bit faint that it was not the right job for me Um, Mm. and because you then find yourself at the age of like 17 um, having chosen science A-levels, because you'll never go wrong with sciences, so my parents told me, um, yeah. and, um, you know, and with no idea of what I was going to do with them. And so kind of randomly, I chose engineering, largely because I didn't know what else to do. Um, and so, you know, did did that. And then you think, well, if, because I've chosen engineering, I'm going to be an engineer. I did a year in industry. I loved factories. I loved all the stuff about how you go about making things. Really keen to do it. And then I went to a recruitment event in a pub in Cambridge and someone senior at Capital One um, met me there. And, and he explained to me what they did and that what I'd really trained as as an engineer was as a problem solver. And that I could bring that problem solving to financial services and it would be as rewarding. Um, and so without really knowing how it happened, uh, I found myself, see, this is what, it was a long story, wasn't it? I found myself as part of the grad intake of 2000 here at Capital Ooh. One. Yeah. That's a long time ago. <laughs> You're going to avoid your age, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm very old. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, it was just, it's, I think it was just interesting because like your, your journey is not conventional. Your journey is very like interesting. You know your 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 parents go to university. You got an assistant place to private school in Manchester, all doing where I studied. Funny enough, so when I had three buses, I was like, "Yo, that's not happening for me." If I had to get to lectures on a Monday morning at nine a.m., <laughs> um, and you've also done an engineering degree, but you've done a placement year as well in industry and engineering in the factory. But you've also then gone on to pivot into like financial institutions at Capital One. Um, so like considering your journey as as a whole, like how would you say or how would you describe the effects? Um, or social mobility and how it's affected yourself but others around you considering like even your academic journey like you know being going on assisted place to, to private school and also seeing how that's benefited you compared to like your many siblings yeah great question and, and a massive question you know when you think about it so the thing i'm um that's clear to me is i i'm a child of a family that was rich in so many ways mm but just had really limited means, you know, and I was just, um, I was desperate for opportunity. So that assisted place for me was like amazing. When I, when I found out later on that some people thought assisted places were a bad thing, Mm. I was like, you know, you try being me at the age of 11. And I used to lose sleep over the, over the idea that somebody could take this opportunity away from me. Right. This is like, this is my golden ticket. Um, and you know, and, and, um, that has given me a real lifelong belief about 
you've got to create opportunities for yeah. people, right? There's so much talent and capability just waiting for their chance. And so, so you know, it really has. The, the fact that I appreciated that opportunity so much, you know, um, really is something that, that, that I realise matters to so many people mm. and also that it's up to them to make the most of it, yeah. right? The person has to take the opportunity and run with it, you know, and that was very much kind of my experience. And then, and then when I think about like my parents, they were loving and supportive, but they could only help me so much, you know, and when I think about my own children now, the advantage they've got that I never had is they've got access to everything that I now know and have learned about the world we were in, right? They don't have to go through the embarrassment of knowing absolutely nothing about many of the environments they find themselves in, right? So uh, I won an engineering award and I went to London and the person I was with said to me, hey, you can eat anywhere you want, whole of London, pick a restaurant. What did I pick? I picked Pizza Hut. Why? <laughs> because... Like, that was a real treat oh, for me. Like, we didn't eat out. That's, like, that's amazing, right? And at the time, I was I was, I was, was over 18. So we went to the hotel bar afterwards, and the, a very posh hotel. And the barman said to me, you know, what would you like to drink, madam? And I'm like, well, I'll have a taboo and lemonade, please. And he's like, we don't serve taboo and lemonade. Oh, very you humble. If, that, if you ask me that question, hey, guys, we're going everywhere. <laughs> we're going to Shuma Shortish. <laughs> we're going everywhere. <laughs> right, but you see, I just... I hadn't experienced it, right? And I had, and and the times that I have been in a cold sweat because I'm in a situation that I am not trained yeah. for and I don't understand, and it's, it's you know, you. and I've not had experience in my background, right? You know, like um, I don't think I ate an olive till I was 25. You know, my kids have eaten olives. <laughs> like them, okay. you know, and it's tiring. it's tiring to face into the unknown yeah. all the time. You know, it's like. These are things you have to overcome. It's a con- it's a continual act of bravery, I think, to be the first generation doing this stuff. And I think that's really uh, huge. But as, as we've talked about, you know, like when you've got one member of a family out there doing that stuff, then the rest of the family get the benefit, yeah. right? Whether it's my sister being able to show me what it really means to be a doctor or whether it's me having done, because of the school I was at, GCSE maths a year early, seeing that my sister is... Um, being put in for the for the lower paper where she can only get a C and saying to my mum, no, she needs she can do the, the, higher, the paper. higher paper. I will you know, and, and helping her to do that. And then she went on to do A level maths and a degree Ooh. in maths and she's got a PhD you now. You know, but it's like like it's just these little moments where the path can go one way or another and it only takes a slight nudge for it to go in, in a completely direct different direction than you could ever have imagined. And that's, you know, what the 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 value of social mobility is. Having somebody who opens that door just a little mm. bit, then the whole family can go through. Yeah. You know, and, and and I think that was that was very much my experience. That's powerful. I think like just to like not even summarize, but to like pick out something key put there is like, you know, create opportunity for one person can just affect the lives of so many people around you. Not just family but also like wider community. Because like if you didn't get assisted place to that private school you went to you may not be able to help your sister, you know, to get into the higher paper for maths, GCSEs, and then she couldn't go on to do A-level maths, get a degree in maths, and then get a PhD. So I think there is, you know, there's a human element to what social mobility means to people like yourself, you see people like me, where if you don't get an opportunity created for you, you don't see the benefits of, like, how your life can be changed for the better. Um, and I think that's why, like, the club and the foundation itself really stresses the need for social mobility being made, um, to be made evident in society. Um 
So thank you for that, Lucy. Really appreciate it. Um, I guess for the next question, I was going to go on to, it's going to look at Capital One Social Mobility efforts. Um, I was going to ask, like, considering your background and the challenges that you face entering organisation like Capital One, what would you say the firm has done to improve representation at all levels? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, um, by the way, there's always more to be done on this, right? And it's going to be a continuing effort for forever. But when I think about it, I mean, the very fact that me, as a girl from Oldham, can end up running this business, it's like, you know, and by the way, when I arrived, I was a different person than I am today, <laughs> right? You know, lots of great raw material, but it needed work, you know. And, <laughs> and the, you know, and the... the, the um, the thing about this company is they don't put you in a box, right? There's this active practice of looking for talent and creating opportunities. So when I arrived, I was convinced I was going back into industry. I was going to be a project manager. I said, I'm going to be a project manager because that's a recognizable skill and I can use it elsewhere. I was a terrible project manager, right? I was just, you know, I think I organized a meeting for 10 people in a photocopier room. <laughs> you know, it was like, I, you know. Every time I got a project, I would argue about it because I wasn't sure it was the right project to do, which is not what you want, right? It's like, no, we've got to just deliver this mm. thing. And so I suppose the point is, is having seen me failing at that, they recognized that, that, that what looked like failure in that job was actually exactly the skills you needed for a different yeah. job. And they helped me to pivot. And then as I kind of grew in analytical roles, they gave me more and more opportunity. And always, whenever I was just beginning to get comfortable, they would give me a new stretching thing to mm. do. And they didn't say, hey, you haven't got the experience, so you can't do that. They they took a bet on me, right? They they, they And they do this. This is very much true of our, of our organization. We take a bet on talent. We will put people into roles that on paper, they might not look as though they've got the experience yeah. for. And then we'll support people to be able to do those to do those roles. And that's been absolutely my experience. It's allowed me to grow so much um, while I've been here. And the other thing that's really crucial, and, and, and again, we're doing this today and we're doing it for for groups across the whole the whole spectrum, um, but is invest in people's personal development. Yes. Because the thing I found was that, like, I came here and I'm scrappy and I'm competitive and very northern and very much had a chip on my shoulder, you know, <laughs> and, and like had to be helped to see how some of that might be limiting my potential or might be stopping me from being all that I could mm. be, you know, and having yeah. having that opportunity to kind of look hard at yourself and say, well, actually, I think I might be getting in my own way. Yeah. Like that is Capital One is all about helping you to be the best you personally can possibly be and then recognizing that and giving you an opportunity. So when you think about that in terms of, you know, diversity, inclusion, belonging, we're doing that more and more now for for everyone. Right. I got a lot. of There was a lot of privilege in being a graduate. Right. You come in as a graduate to an organization. There's a program. We're going to invest in you in this way and that way and the other way. Something we're really focused on doing is making sure that we have programs to help people develop who might have come into, say, a frontline call center role, mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing so that we can say, hey, we've got incredible, talented people. How do we help them to move through our organization into leadership roles? Amazing. Amazing. And I think one thing you mentioned, um, which I think is very 
important and key for like students because I think sometimes we believe that we we, we often disqualify ourselves because we don't think we have experience enough to like you know to do well in those roles but something that you mentioned that really stood out to me is that you know although you may not although you may not think on paper you have the skills qualifications needed to match the role sometimes you just need um organization or someone to bet on you that you can do it well and I guess that's something very very attractive for Capital One to like you know to bet on people with their ability and then seeing how far they can go and also challenging them in a way that will better them, not just professionally, but also personally, which you mentioned, which I think is key. Um, so thank you for that, Lucy. I guess to follow up with that question, um, given that Capital One is a lending business, um, so it's in the banking sector and it creates opportunities, how would you say that Capital One's commitment to social mobility reflects the business ethos as a whole? Yeah, great question. Um, so as you say, in the UK, Capital One is focused on lending to people. So everything about us, our business ethos is that we want people to use credit in the way that we would advise our families to do so, mm. right? So we think that credit used wisely creates opportunities for people. It's all about the opportunities. My whole life's about the opportunities. <laughs> um, what the, what, but what that means when it comes to borrowing is like only borrow what you can manage. Yes. You know, what would, what would you say to your family? Only borrow what you can manage. Pay on yes. time. Pay it down. Don't live without your means. You know, <laughs> don't live out of your means. You're right. It's like it use just think about it, understand what you're doing and manage it in a way that means that it's it's gonna lead you to success. Um and that is uh, the absolute ethos that of, of what we do. Um and we want to build a sense amongst our customers that they are really capable um of managing their finances well so that's one kind of aspect the core of our business is all about you know how do you lend to people in that way more than that we our associates there's there's just this decency that runs through the whole organization They've, our associates have got a real desire to do good in the world you know many of us like me feel as though we looked out by landing landing here and we really want to share that with mm. others so for example mm. you know during the pandemic we had tech teams swarming to make sure we could give hundreds of laptops to um, kids in local schools who had no device that they could use to do their work, you know, while the schools yeah. were shut. You know, and yeah. our corporate responsibility team worked closely with the local schools to make sure that what we were doing was the right thing for them and that those laptops went to people who would benefit the most. Well, if I think back to myself as that child looking for opportunity, that's exactly what I would have been dreaming somebody would do for, mm. for me. Right. You know, you're sitting there going, all I want is my education. And if somebody comes along and goes, don't worry about it. Here's a laptop. Oh, and by the way, here's a, a Wi-Fi dongle so that you can get access to yeah. what you need. Your education doesn't have to stop. Right. That's exactly the type of thing uh, that, that that I would have would have dreamt of and that, and that we're, we've been able to do for people. So you've got that kind of combination of, yes, the core business is dedicated to helping people borrow in a really sensible and safe way and then this organization more generally just wants to do positive things in the world amazing yeah i definitely agree um and yeah nothing really to add to be fair you know the core business you know lending people responsibly especially in the state age where covid has made like you know it's made money seem that much more difficult to come by and i guess like capital wants help people to know to borrow what they actually need and what's going to help them you know live a suitable and a comfortable life and then also there's the corporate responsibility aspect of it to create opportunities for people in schools local communities so that they can also be the best version of themselves that they can be whether that's education whether that's like you know employment and i think that's something very important that you mentioned so thank you so much lucy and i guess the final question for this like 
section, if we want to call it that, um, is like, as head of the UK Business World Cup to one, what differences have you seen in the firm's work in the wider social mobility and diversity and inclusion space? Yeah, so, I mean, as, as I say, we've been committed for a long time to educating people about their finances. And what I would say has happened more recently is that we've gone broader than that. So um, something that we've just recently started doing um, is uh, partnering with national numeracy to help people be more confident and competent with numbers. So we want that for our customers because we want them to be able to manage their finances well. But we also want it for society as a whole. And we know that by addressing the gaps that exist in mathematical Mm. skills between different groups in our society, we can create, well, my hope is that you, if you address that at every level, much as I've addressed it in my own yeah. family, then we can, uh, by doing that, we create more, a bigger population of mathematically capable people, you know, and by doing that, we create more and more people who can be the diverse, representative, skilled workforce of the future. So, you know, the whole DIB thing Really, I think it's a to do this properly. It's a long yeah. game. We need to get numeracy to where it needs to be. We need to we need people from every background to feel as though they are confident and capable when it comes to numbers. By doing that, then they open themselves up to so many great job opportunities. And then for us as an employer, that's fabulous because then we get this wide range of people from a wide range of backgrounds who can go on to be really successful in the finance industry as well yeah definitely agree playing the long game does like it helps not just the business but it helps like the students or like the people that you're helping to like feel like they can succeed and i guess like as it always it will always benefit the business because like you're getting more talented people from more diverse background and i guess like in businesses especially now 2022 as you go on 2023 years ago very fast we're ready in may <laughs> um well may when we're recording um but I guess like when you have more diverse people to work with, it then means that the business works better because, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of opinion and there's different like um, backgrounds come together to like come to bring a solution. And I think that's something key, which Capital One is doing in terms of like playing the long game to like touch as many people as you can in a way that would also hopefully them wanted to come back, you know, to work at Capital One due to them feeling like the love that they've received from Capital One um, in the past. So I think that's very 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 key and very very important and something that many corporates should be doing and hopefully are still doing in this day and age um so thank you again lucy and i guess to follow up with that so we spoke about couple to one in broad detail in terms of like social ability dni and like what you do on a more basic level you know lending to people um but for listeners to like you know students and graduates who may not be aware of a couple to one does um why should they consider career at Capital One as a place to start like their long careers at, for those that are not really aware of the yeah. business. Yeah, good question. It's um now you know I'm biased. As right? you should so... take it away. <laughs> as I should be. <laughs> so Capital One is it's just an exceptional organization in my experience, right? They've been generous with me beyond anything you can imagine. And and in and more generally, like they're interested in developing you as a person to become more than you ever thought you could be. You know, like I said to you, I've been given responsibility. I've been trusted to do things that stretched me. I've been challenged. I've been changed by the experience of working here. And there were many things because of my background in my view of the world that was in some way self-limiting. You know, my parents gave me a strong set of values, Mm. but by being here, I've been able to build on those, you know, and, and it's my belief 
that what we should be doing and what we do is we set the bar for every employer you'll ever have in the future. Because I know many people who've left here and gone on to do incredible things, but they look back on their time here as the defining experience of their career. Like they always look back on Capital One. And by the way, it, it says something about you to have Capital One there on your CV. It says a certain thing about the type of person you are, the environment you thrive in. What we find is, you know, people who have worked here, like I say, go on to do incredible things and are really valued in the wider world, not just in finance, but in in many other industries as well. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's something that students or graduates rather um, needs to be mindful of in terms of like, you know, the place you want to start your career at, how is it going to not just benefit you in terms of like your overall long-term career journey and like goals and whatever, but rather like how you would be perceived by others in terms of like, okay, this person went to Capital One, so they must have a genuine interest in helping others, helping people, even as lending business and he wants to create opportunities. So like, obviously if they worked there for X amount of years or X amount of decades even, um, they must have a certain skill set or certain value system which is going to be beneficial for any potential employer that going forward. And I think that's something that you mentioned, which I really haven't thought of, because, you know, as graduates, we tend to think, okay, what's the best company to go work for? Which is going to pay the most money. But also you should bear in mind, like, you know, what values am I going to take from this place I'm working at as I start my career? I think that's something key that you mentioned, which I'm going to take on board and hopefully the listeners take on board as well. Um, and also just to follow up on that question, what advice would you give to students or graduates um, to succeed in their wider career. So obviously, you start off as you start off in engineering as a student. You then worked. You then was on the graduate program for Capital One, and now you're head of UK business. From like your journey, what advice would you say helps you to, helps you to succeed, and what can potentially help others to succeed as well? Yeah. So um, I have a single piece of advice. There's there's this guy who used to write in the Guardian every week. Um, uh, and his, his column stopped in 2020 and it's called, but it's called This Column Will Change Your Life. And it's by Oliver Berkman. And he recently wrote a book called 4,000 Weeks, which I recommend too. Loads of great advice in there. And you can look it up and you can find all the, all the old columns. But the one piece of advice he gave that I remember most often is this, which is uh, the ability to tolerate minor discomfort is a superpower. And I'd go further than that. You don't just tolerate discomfort, seek it Mm. out. You have to walk towards the thing that scares you. You have to speak in that meeting. You have to take that new role. You have to figure out how to be the best at that thing that's a bit boring. Because by doing that uncomfortable thing, you are building habits and skills that make you someone that anyone wants on their team. Um, And you are also building the person, a person that you personally are really proud of. And you are creating a trail behind you of challenges that you've overcome, which by another word is to say you're creating a legacy, which is all any of us actually can hope for with a yeah. career. You know, what you leave behind you is is all yeah, there is in the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry if I cut you off. Um, I think, I think yeah, just obviously legacy is something we all leave behind because you know we don't have a lot of time on this planet sorry to make it sound very um pessimistic very negative um but legacy is something we we leave behind for others in terms of like you know how we can help next generation you know make their lives just a tad bit easier and i guess like as a student as a graduate as a young person or anybody rather um if you're able to tolerate discomfort and actually seek out for it, as you said it makes you that much more of a resilient person, it makes you that much more of a person who can thrive in new environments because you like you you don't shy away from, you know, stepping into something or stepping into the unknown, but rather you enjoy the enjoy the um the feel of it and how it will benefit you in your development. Um, would you say like for yourself, Lucy, that 
you've you've you particularly enjoy trying something new even if you don't have experience of it prior um in your experience yeah i mean i don't I don't always enjoy it at the time, right? And sometimes I'm even dreading it. But afterwards, <laughs> the, the, you know, by putting myself out there and doing things that I really was a bit uncomfortable with, that is the only way I've grown, mm. right? It's the only way I've expanded what I'm capable of. Um, so when I look back at it, you know, it's kind of, gosh, I wish I'd started doing that sooner. Yeah. I wish I had lived more on the edge of what I'm capable of because you know, the growth is there. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't feel great in the moment, right? Like Somebody asks you a question in a meeting and you don't know the answer. You think, <laughs> okay, what are we going to do here? You know, it's not pleasant, but it, oh my gosh, it helps you develop. Yeah. And also like, just to like raise the question to like that student or graduate, I think, oh, I love to be in comfort. I don't like being stretched. Why, if you could challenge them to like, to challenge them in a way that makes it seem not that much of a, issues or problem or rather something that's benefiting them like how would you convince a student who doesn't like challenges or doesn't like trying new things or doesn't like being discomforted because they feel like they like their comfort zone how would you persuade them in terms of like your own experience and your own journey thus far yeah it's a tough one I mean it you have to want to be in a different place right because comfort is about being happy where you Mm. are And I think if you sit and look at where you are and go, do you know what? I never want things to be any different. Well, there's a a danger in that, Mm. right? Because that's a little bit, you could be going backwards. At some point you're going to go, hang on a minute, I'm not happy here anymore. And then you're going to have to do something anyway, right? Yeah, so So if you kind of have a sense of where you're trying to get to and work back from that, then you can put the discomfort today in some sort of um, context, right? Which is to say, there's a reason why I'm doing this and it's for the bigger purpose that I'm trying to achieve. So I might not like it in the moment right now, but I, but I like it because of who it's going to help me to become in the long term. And I think that's the really important thing is you've got to have a frame on it that gives you a reason why you're right. Much the same as I have to have a frame on a reason why that I get out of bed and get to the gym at half past six in the morning. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's not comfortable, but I know that I like how well, I like the person that makes me for the rest of the day, mm. but I also like the fact that that is an investment in future me, um, and that's absolutely worth it. And I don't want to be the person who who didn't do that. You know, when I look back, I want to be able to say, "Ah, oh, I'm glad I, you know, looked after my own physical health. That was really important to me." Um, and I think that's really the thing is like, well, what do you want to be able to say about yourself yeah. in the future? I often ask people this. You know, okay, so when you come to retirement, what do you want to be able to say you've achieved? Mm. Okay, to get there, you've got to start now. That means this meeting, you got to get on with it. Crack on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, something you mentioned, like, it also, I was racking my head with it as you were speaking, like, it also comes down to, like, your why, like, what you want to accomplish. You mentioned it towards the end. It's like, if you want to be at this certain stage of your career or your life or your health, whatever it may be, like, what's the steps you're going to need to um, to take to get there? And obviously, is there going to be some discomfort involved? And if there is going to be just some discomfort involved, it's going to help you get to that why, that bigger picture, that bigger goal. And it's going to take you like 10 or 15 years, however long it may be. It's worth doing it in the moment because like you're going to see the dividends of that, you know, that investment in discomfort for the long term. And I think that's a beautiful way of putting it because it just puts perspective into like, you know, students and graduates, young people, everybody. Like if you have a goal as an employment, whether it's to get a graduate role or, you know, to get promoted, what steps do you want to take to get there? And, you know, is it going to make you have, is it going to 
is it going to result in you having to change like your behavior or change like you know the things that you enjoy or the things you don't enjoy or the things you don't think you're good at and how you're going to make those necessary adjustments to make it happen um so thank you for the words of wisdom lucy and to wrap up our podcast um last question um is considering your successful journey thus far would you do anything differently whether that's changing industry or doing anything else if given the chance oh well here's the thing right i could have lived many different rich and rewarding (laughs) lives you know there could have been many different ways right um and and it's my absolute belief that I have got a long way, and fingers crossed, that I've got a long way to go in the one I'm in, I'm in yes. right now, right? Um, and so, you know, if I look back, the things that I um, would do differently, I wish I, I'd worried a lot less about things that didn't matter, right? People's opinions of me, you know, like, I, I tell you what, I once got a phrase from a coach, which was really helpful, which was emo, which stands for everybody else has moved on. <laughs> and I that. wish... <laughs> keep it write it down stick it to your screen because it's like oh my god the amount of time i spent going over a situation and replaying it in my head and it's just a waste um you know and i wish i'd seen the joy that was available to me by adjusting my perspective on the world sooner you know i would have spent less time complaining i'd have spent less time competing with people um but in terms of opportunities that i could have taken that i didn't do you know what i feel as though they're all still mm. there Right. And I got to a point where, you know, it's instead of kind of looking over there all the time, I have concentrated on getting the most out of the experience I'm having like right this minute now, you know, rather than always kind of wondering about whether I should be somewhere else and would I be more successful if I was doing that? It's like, well, do you know what? I'll give my best self to this thing and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And when it's time to do something different, well, then I'll do something different. But I'm not going to spend my whole time with one foot out the door. Um, and that that is kind of the way I have come to terms with the fact that I've been here since, you know, 2000. <laughs> <laughs> On and off. <laughs> oh, that's that's, that's that, uh, it's just a long it's a long time. 2000. What was I doing that when I was when it was 2000? I was two years old. <laughs> time is flying. Um, it's a long time, but it's a short time. It's a short right? time. The, the, getting the, old, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> as everybody else is. Well, and you don't, none of us, read 4,000 weeks, none of us have that many, um, have that many weeks, mm. right? you got to do the best you can with the one. That's you? true. Yeah, time time is a very interesting thing because, like, it seems like we have a lot, but it flies by, like, 2018, I went to university, 2022, I've graduated, so it's like, you know, time will fly by quickly. And I guess right. what there's beauty in what you said in terms of, like, everybody moves on, like, you might be stressing about something that you probably didn't do well, which affected other people, or someone said something to you, which probably you probably didn't like but everybody moves on like we're not that significant in our in everybody else's life i think we tend to think that we're the main characters in everybody's life i, I think i hope that we're possible but right. we're not um and i guess like when you're able to like take that emo everybody moves on and just run with it in terms of like okay what am i going to do so not stress about the future or stress about my circumstance but rather just enjoy the moment because i think that's a problem that a lot of graduates tend to face even graduates from like social mobile backgrounds like they tend to think of like oh what should I be doing next or why am I not in this particular position why am I in a particular space and I guess it's just coming back to like recenter refocus to just just enjoy the moment you're in because I think we even with me possibly you know what's the next stage what's the next hurdle what's the next accomplishment but you know what am I doing right now which I'm enjoying and I think what you said is perfect because 
you don't know what you're going to do for the next couple of years. A couple to one, you might leave, you might stay. Hopefully, you stay for the people that are there. They might love, they love you. Um, but like, I should be enjoying the moment now so that I can reap the most of it when I look back at this experience because you know you don't know how long you have left in a particular space. And I think that's a beautiful thing you said, Lucy. And I think that's a great way to wrap up this today's episode. Um, so I just want to say thank you, Lucy, for the words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing your journey and all the work that Capital is doing in the space of social mobility and DNI. And also for the words of wisdom that you shared with our students. And also just a big thank you to Capital One um, for Daniel, um, who's made this possible. And also for the foundation, 90% Club, who has made this possible as well. Um, any last words you want to share, Lucy, before we conclude this call? No last words. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Joshua. Thank you so Likewise, much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, Lucy. And there we have it, folks. That's today's episode for the Night Free Talks. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. And stay tuned for any further episodes in the future thank you everyone bye